you have a Bible, turn to Psalm chapter 49. Psalm chapter 49. I really appreciated Steve uh, Saunders being able to be here last week. I hope you enjoyed him. I was able to hear his sermon. Uh, what is our role? I really appreciated that. He is a uh, one of my best pastoral friends, and so it was great to be able to have him able to come and share with us at the church. And this morning, we're going to look at Psalm 49, Psalm 49, which is not a typical psalm. It's not, it's not like your typical psalm. It sounds a little different, but Psalm 49 says this. Hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of the lyre. Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches? Truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life, for the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice, that he should live on forever and never see the pit. For he sees that even the wise die, the fool and the stupid alike must perish, and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever, their dwelling places to all generations. Though they call lands by their own names, man in his pomp will not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. This is the path of those who have foolish confidence. Yet after them, people approve of their boasts. Like sheep, they are appointed to shoot for Sheol. Death shall be their shepherd, and the upright shall rule over them in the morning. Their form shall be consumed in Sheol, with no place to dwell. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Be not afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will go down after him, for though while he lives, he counts himself blessed, and though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go to the generation of his fathers, who will never again see light. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beasts that perish. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thanks for your word. Lord, thanks for the chance to get together in the middle, the beginning of a week, to worship you, to encourage each other, to hear from your word. Lord, I pray that you would be with all these testimonies and these struggles that we've heard, that we know that you are sovereignly in control of, and you are working in our lives. I pray, Holy Spirit, you just give us grace and mercy, that you would give us the confidence to keep trusting in you. God, I pray that you would just be with those who are struggling this morning emotionally, and physically and spiritually, that you would just draw them to yourself. You would help us to see you. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would teach us through your words. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beasts that perish. I, I heard that sometimes if they, when people, farmers that had had cows, when they would milk them, uh, they would play music in the barns to try to help the cows milk and keep them calm and, and, and milk better. This is a psalm. This psalm is a song. 
And the question that I want to ask this morning as we listen to this psalm is, is what is the tune that is leading the trajectory of your life? What, what's the music that's leading the trajectory of your life? Because he's writing a song that deals with a very important topic for us about how to deal with difficult situations or what the situations of our life is, the trajectory of our life. Hans Christian Andersen said, where words fail, music speaks. And Bono said, music can change the world because it changes people. And Johann Sebastian Bach said, music is an agreeable harmony for the honor of God and the permissible delights of the soul. I'm not a huge music guy, but I love music backstories. I love to hear what motivated somebody to write that song. What was it? What happened to their life? What situation took place that created in them this desire to write the lyrics to their songs? And most songs have a backstory. There's a story, there's a reason why they were written. And it's usually some event in a person's life. And God has given these musicians the talent to take their stories, to take the backstories, and to write lyrics that we all can resonate with, that they all can make uh, sense to, and many of them, they then become the poets of our society. They, 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 they lead us for generations. You can think of songs in moments of your life that that, that, that song came on just at that right time, that, that set a trajectory, it changed you a little bit, or you go back to it and you remember it. This is how the book of Psalms was for the people of God. It was the songbook for the church. It was, uh, they would sing these songs. Jesus would sing these songs. These songs would tell a story. They would develop a trajectory for life. And this one, Psalm 49, was written by the sons of Korah, these musicians. If you read their story, the sons of Korah in the Bible, they have a backstory too. But this was written by one of the sons of of Korah, one of the musicians of the people of Israel, one of the musicians of the people of God who, who, who is writing and he's dealing with one with a, with a, with kind of a, with a struggle. This is more like a psalm, like a proverb or Ecclesiastes. This is a wisdom type of psalm, Psalm 49. It is not like most of the other psalms. It's a little different. It's more like Proverbs. It's more like Ecclesiastes. And he starts it out with hear this all peoples, give ear all inhabitants of the worlds, both low and high, rich and poor. My mouth shall speak wisdom, the meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb and I will solve my riddle by the music of the lyre or the harp. So what the picture is, is this is a psalm for the world. This is a song for everyone to hear. No matter if you're rich, you're poor, no matter where you are, not just with the people of God, all the people of God, the wisdom of God is for everyone. And he writes this so that everyone would hear it. Everyone, no matter your status, no matter your situation financially, it's for everyone. So the picture I want you to have when we read Psalm 49, it's the picture of a guy who's getting ready to sing the song. He hasn't sung it yet. The first four verses are kind of the introduction. It's kind of like a guy standing up nowadays with his guitar, comes on stage, and looks really cool too, doesn't it? Stands up with his guitar, and he starts to tell the story of why he wrote the song. And he starts to play, and he says, listen, I want you to listen to the song. Give ear to the song. All inhabitants of the world, rich, poor. I'm going to tell you about a struggle that I've had that I'm going to work out in the lyrics 
of my song, which is what he does. And it's a call to all of us. It's a call for us to see. And it's a call for a correction. And he starts his song in verse 5. And I think as we see this, he's dealing with an issue. It says that there's, there's, there's a song that's being played all the time for all of us. And there's a song that can steal from you. There's a song that can soothe you. And then there's a song that we are called to just stream constantly and hear over and over again. He says in verse 4, I will incline my ear to a proverb. I'll lean in and listen. I'll solve my riddle to the music of the lyre. This is wisdom literature. This psalm is very connected to Psalm 37 and Psalm 73, where they're trying to figure out why is it seem like when the people of God have struggles and those who are against God don't seem to have struggles. It's similar to that. It's wisdom literature. It's like Ecclesiastes. And he starts his song. He's got his harp. He starts to play, he's holding his guitar, and he starts to sing it. And the first part of the song is, Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches. And he he starts out saying to us, there's a song that will steal from you and your life. There's a, there's a tune that, that never gets turned off. And we live in this, even today, we live in this same tune that gets played over and over and everywhere we go. It's a song that constantly is being played and the tune is, you need more, 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 more. You need more. Trust in stuff. Trust in stuff. Get more things. That, that's the tune that we all live in. And, and sometimes it shrieks really loud to us. You'll buy this, grab this, you need to put this, get more money, make more of this, get more of this stuff. Sometimes it's just very subtle. But the truth is, none of us can turn it off. It's very hard, even sitting in church, to turn off the idea, but we need more. I gotta have more. I gotta get this done. I need to gather. I gotta do this. I gotta do this. James Montgomery Boyce said this, most of us in the West, even when we are very active in Christian work, are materialistic. That is true. We think in terms of the things we see rather than the spirituality, spiritual realities we cannot see. And we are inclined to trust wealth or what we can accomplish with it. Which is the song that's just constantly played in our culture. Stuff. More. Get it. Get it. Get it. Trust it. Trust it. Trusted. There's a, there is a list of songs that I looked up that all of them about money, 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 wealth, wealth, materials, gather, gather, gather. That, that's, the, that's the tune that we constantly hear in our culture, constantly. And Jesus said something about that in Luke chapter 12 when he told the parable of a rich man who said, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentiful And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, 
This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. There's a song that's playing constantly around you that wants to steal from you. It constantly wants you to think that this is what you should trust in. Stuff is what you should trust in. He says, why should I fear when, when troubles come? This song steals from us, and it steals from people and the reason it steals from it, it steals from it. He explains it. It, it, it steals. There's a toxic sense of this. If you trust in stuff, if power and things is what you want, it, it's very toxic as we look at our own world and see all the things that people do to try to obtain those things. They, how they, what they will do to destroy others to get those things. It, it, it's, it's toxic. Why should I fear? Because there's, there's people who want that so badly, they will do whatever it takes to cause problems for other people to get it. So it causes fear. There, there is trouble. He, he struggles with it. There is fear. Those who are at his heels, chasing after him. When, when, they, when they cheat me, they surround me. Those who trust in their wealth. There, there's a song that's very toxic that says, just gather, just get trust in your stuff. And there's a trap with it. He says in verse 6, those who trust in their wealth and boast in the abundance of their riches. And this trust is like somebody who's just, he's, he's, he's confident. He's looking at all the things he has and he's just, he's trusting in his wealth. He's, he's a self-satisfied person. The song that is played constantly in our culture, there's a toxic part to it. There's, there's a trap to it where you get this self-satisfied. But he says in verse 7, Truly no man can ransom another life or give to the, the price of his life, for the ransom of their life is costly and nothing suffices. Ecclesiastes 5, verses 10 and 11 says this, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There's this trap to it. There's just, there's just I gotta have more. I gotta have more. I gotta have more. Elon Musk, if you've been watching anything all year long, Last January, people thought he was going to be done. By the end of this year, in the last two weeks, he has become, back and forth with Jeff Bezos, the wealthiest man in the world. And, and, and a week ago, when he was announced to be the wealthiest man in the world, his response to that was, how strange, well, back to work. It sounds good, but it's this trap. I don't know where Elon Musk is spiritually, but if he's trusting in his riches, it's a trap because he's reached the highest point of it and his only response to it is, I gotta go back to work and keep making more. And the reality of it is, he's gonna die. Everybody's gonna die. And that's the psalm. 
And nobody, no matter how much money anybody has, all the wealthy people in the world, they, they can't pile their money up together enough to buy back the life of somebody. They, they, they can't pay their doctors enough to say, do whatever it takes to keep me alive. Give me one more day. Give me one more hour. It's too costly, he says. Truly, no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life, for the ransom of their life is costly, and he can never suffice, and that he should live on forever and never see the pit. There is a trap. If, if stuff, that, that there's a trap to that, it, it, it is everyone's going to die, and there's a trick to it, to it as well. Bragging in their wealth will do nothing for you, it says. For he says in verse, verse 10, for he sees that even the wise die, the fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. And their graves are their home forever, their dwelling places to all generations. Though they called lands by their own names, man and his pomp will not remain. He's like a beast of the earth that perish. So the, the trick is you, you, we all die. But the assumption of the music of the world, and the sound is, the song that plays is, no, just keep getting more and more and more. And God says, I don't care if you're the smartest person in the world or the dumbest person in the world. At the end of the day, you could be buried together and nobody remembers either one of your names. It's a trick. It's a trap to this song. And it's tragic. But a couple months ago, in this fall, Tony Shea is the CEO of Zappos. He, he, he raised himself up to be unbelievably successful. He sold it, made millions of dollars. When he died, about a month and a half ago, he was worth $840 million in net worth. 46 years of age, fire in Connecticut. He was too strung out on drugs, they said, that he couldn't get himself out, and he trapped, and he was died. I don't know why that story stuck out with me. I'm close to his age, just a year older. But here's a guy who had everything. He, he had everything that anyone could imagine. And a story they wrote about him says this, new details about the final self-destructive months of Tony Say's life tell a tragic narrative, unique in its details, but familiar in its trajectory. This is not new familiar. He, he had gone on to try to, after, after he lo made all this money and he, he spent the last year of his life trying to figure out how to sleep less so he could have more life, how, how to do different drugs to have more life. And he was a fun guy, creative. He, he, he transformed business. He made it fun to go to work. It was a fun place to work. He was unbelievably successful. He had everything, but he was chasing something. He had heard this music that said more, 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 and it took his life. His friend, Jewel, the singer who was with him a month before he died, she was with him, and, and she saw the trajectory of his life, and she wrote him a letter because he would not use a phone. The only way he could write him was through snail mail. And she wrote him a letter right before, about a month before he died, and she said this. I, her letter said, I need to tell you that I don't think you are well and in your right mind. I think you are taking too many drugs that cause you to disassociate. The people you are surrounding yourself with are either ignorant or willing to be complicit in you killing yourself. And a month later, he tragically is dead. 
$840 million gone to somebody else. Ecclesiastes talks about this. Man and his pomp will not remain. He's like the beasts that perish. This is the path of those who have foolish confidence. But here's the thing, yet after them, yet after, we hear these stories over and over and over again. Just Google wealthy people, musicians who had it all and died young, killed themselves, suicide, tragedy, tragedy, tragedy. They're, they're, they're all over the place. But it says in this, in verse 13, this is the path of those who have foolish confidence. Yet after them, people approve of their boasts. It continues and continues to happen because there's this song that, that, that wants to steal life from people, and it does on a regular basis. But the truth is, no matter how much you have, we all will die, the psalmist sings. And the question is, is there a better song? Is there better music for life? Is there a better trajectory for life that the world can see? That this, this, this something's not right. Something's, something's not right the way this is. 46-year-old, successful, entrepreneuring, intelligent, fun guys shouldn't die this way. But there's a song that they listen to that steals something. something. Is there a better song? And verse 15 says there is. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. And then there's a little word there called Selah. We don't know if that's a musical note, but we know it means pause in some way. The, the psalmist is singing the song, saying that there's the, if you're not careful, no matter how old you are, how much stuff you have, or how little stuff you have, if you decide to trust in wealth, trust in riches, it's just gonna, there's a song that will steal from you. But there's another song. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, the grave, for he will receive me. And we're supposed to pause and think about it. Pause and consider it. But God will ransom my soul from Sheol. There's some things as we pause we need to remember. There's some realities about that. We need to remember that you are going to die. We don't like to think about our own death. But we're going to die. You're, 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 you're going to die. Mike Whitmer puts it this way. One morning, the sun will rise and you won't see it. Birds will greet the dawn and you won't hear them. Friends and family will gather to celebrate your life, and after you're buried, they'll return to the church for ham and scalloped potatoes. Soon your job and favorite chair and spot on the team will be filled by someone else. The rest of the world may pause to remember. It will give you a moment of silence if you're rich or well-known, but then it will carry on as it did before you arrived. The reality is we need to remember Scripture all over says, teach me to number my days so I can have a heart for wisdom. We need to remember the reality that we're going to die. We need to remember also, though, that death is our enemy. Death is the last enemy. Sometimes Christians, they, 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 they go to these uh, funerals and they, they have these services, and I know what they mean, and I appreciate it. 
But they will say it was wonderful. We had this, we had this celebration of life, uh, which is wonderful. But we almost skip past the part where the Bible says Jesus wept at the death of Lazarus' friend, and he knew he was going to raise him up. Death is our enemy. We, we need to be careful not to jump too quickly past the lament, too quickly past the grief. This is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not the way it is. Sin came in and caused this. But we do not have to grieve, it says in 1 Thessalonians, as those who have no hope. We have a hope. But it's not wrong to grieve. It's not wrong to lament. It's the last enemy still to be defeated, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 26. Even today, 3 o'clock this afternoon, one of our own, Kevin Kiddo is going to stand up in Virginia over the casket of his good friend, former pastor, Jeff Borchette, who just died. Many of you know him in here. was just at our church a year ago, 59 years old this past week, and died. It wasn't his plan at the beginning of this year. It wasn't his plan four months ago. But it was God's will, God's plan. And Kevin's going to stand up at 3 o'clock this afternoon and lament and celebrate the life of his friend. We need to remember that death is an enemy. But we also need to remember that God will ransom our souls. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. This is the Old Testament. They, they, the author, when he wrote this, he didn't fully know about Jesus yet. He didn't fully know, fully know about what it was, how it was all going to work out. But even in the Old Testament, what they knew was that God would rescue people when they died. If they were in Christ, they were in the faith, they were, they were, they were the people of God, God would rescue their soul. He would ransom their soul from them. The amazing thing about that is nobody wealthy can do it, but God is able to do it. But God, for the, for the ransom of life is costly. But God was able to do it. God is able to ransom our souls. God's able and God's willing to do it, which is even more amazing to us. That we who have gone against God's way, tried to live life on our own, that God would say, you know what? I love them still enough. I will pay the unbelievable cost to ransom souls, which the cost of that is his son, Jesus Christ. God himself came to ransom us. He's able and he's willing, and God welcomes us. He says, God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, and this is the amazing thing for us. He will receive me. God, God's going to ransom our souls and not put us in another room away from him. God, God's going to ransom our souls, and he's going to receive us. Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for those who are in Christ. We, we are with him. He's, we are going to be received by him, to be with him forever and enjoy that forever. None of this pain that we are genuinely dealing with now will affect us again. He's going to receive us and he's never going to let you go. He's never let you go and he never will let you go. But we need to remember that God, and this is what will soothe us. 
When we look at the world now, the brokenness, the pain, the struggles, the song that wants to steal from us, we've got to constantly remind ourselves that this is not going to last. It's not going to be last for those who are putting negative pressure on us. It's not going to last for ourselves. But what will last is if we're in Christ, God will ransom the souls from the power of Sheol and he will receive us. Peace does not come from outward circumstances, but from an inward surrender to Jesus Christ. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, or peace I leave with you, my peace, the same peace that Jesus has, I give to you. Not as the world gives it do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. There there is a song, there is a better song. That's the song that soothes. Those in Christ will be with God forever. He will ransom our bodies from the grave and he will receive us. So we lament now, we mourn when we lose, but we know, we don't, we have hope. There is a soothing song that we can play and remind ourselves over and over and over again. And then we, we stream that song. We, we keep streaming that song over and over again, which is what he says, be not afraid then, because this is true. Because verse 15 is true, he then says, Selah, think about it. Pause on that. Pause on the fact that you're going to be ransomed if you're in Christ. But then be not afraid then when a rich man comes with the glory of his house increases, when, 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 when troubles come, when, when life seems unfair, when it seems like those who might not be following God are, are getting great blessings and you might not be, don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of that because that's not going to last. What we are called to do is, is to just keep streaming this, this song of the truth that we have in Christ that we don't deserve the free gift of the gospel that we don't deserve, that God's going to ransom us and redefine for ourselves what success is as we stream that song. Someone said, nowadays, one sees scrambling after riches from the lowliest station up to the highest, among those who want to be called Christians. But such behavior may well be called a life of swine. For the strongest hog at the trough pushes the others away as though it wanted to devour everything alone. That's not how we're supposed to be. If God has given us the ability to make money through your your job, that's a blessing of God. It's not wrong. We enjoy the blessing. But if you're going to trust in those riches, that's wrong, he says. We're we're not to be like the brute beast who are going to perish. Not to be like animals. Not to be like this, this toughest swine trying to get all we can. We need to redefine success. And the way we do that is we string the song of hope and rejoice in knowing what you want. There's a, there's a young couple, a number of years ago, they got married. And they both had Down syndrome. It was unique. because two Down syndrome individuals getting married. They loved each other. They did a documentary on them. And they studied them. And they asked them all these questions. I mean, how is this going to work? How are you, how are you, you're not going to have kids. You're not going to be able to... Uh, you know, have this really successful jobs. Neither one of them could, could think deeply about science and math and even spiritual things. It is where they were at. And they, they're asking this, how, how are you going to, how does this work? How, how can you enjoy life? The interviewer kept asking her. And, and the girl, the wife, she, she looked back, she paused for a moment, and she says, I always get what I want. 
And, and he said, well, what do you mean? You, you, you always get what she wants. She goes, I always get what I want, but I know what to want. She knew she would never have a CEO job. But she always got what she wanted because she knew what to want. Which is what Psalms 37 says to us. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The song we need to stream is how we redefine sex and rejoice in knowing what you want. What is it we're supposed to want? We're supposed to delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desires of of our hearts, know God, stream after that, find out what God wants, and then rest in God. For though, while he counts himself blessed, and though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go to the generation of his fathers, who will never again see light, for those who trust in stuff. But those who are in Christ can stream a different song, and we can rest in that song. There's an old song that was him years ago that was written from a poem in 1922, but some people believe it was actually from the Prince of Sweden in 1988 who first said it. But it's a song, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. And here's the question. It's not that you have riches or wealth or stuff. It's not wrong to have it if God's blessed you with it. The question is, are you trusting in that stuff? Is that what you're looking for, for satisfaction? Or would you rather have that than Jesus? And it would say, the song said, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than the worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have, be his than have riches untold. Is, is that the song of your heart? Is that the song that's sung? That no matter what you have, poor or more, less deep down you say doesn't matter at the end i'd rather have jesus than anything else that's the question